Good morning, Plum Creek. Great to see you guys this morning. It's great to be here. It's been a while for me. I was out the last two Sundays, first in Honduras, and then last week I was in Tennessee with my dad. And uh, today, we're going to wrap up this series called Life Verses. And I really appreciate Jimmy Ranshaw and Vic Vogt preaching while I was gone. It was great to hear them share their life verse. And from the beginning, I've loved the idea behind this series. A life verse is a part of Scripture that God has used to make a big impact in your life in some way. And you may remember, three weeks ago, I asked all of you to identify a life verse of your own and then share it with me. Uh, Send me an email. Tell me what it is. And I want to thank all of you who did that. And I'm going to share just a few of those verses here today. The first one comes from a high school student named Delilah Webster. A few weeks ago, Delilah went with our student ministry to the Christ in Youth Move Conference down in Tennessee. And while she was there, Delilah gave her life to Jesus and she was baptized, which was awesome. And she told me that her life verse is Matthew 17, verse 20. So let's listen to this. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And yeah, that's a very cool verse. Delilah said, This speaks to me because the littlest of faith can do so much let alone the amount of faith I now have in Jesus. He has shown me so much, and he'll continue to show me more, and I hope that my faith grows even stronger. Man, I love the enthusiasm and the faith of a brand new Christian, and I want to ask you to pray for Delilah. Uh, Pray that her hope will become a reality, that her faith in Jesus just keeps getting stronger. I have another cool thing to share with you. Uh, Last week, I got uh, an email from Rick Craig, who's a longtime member here at Plum Creek, and Rick sent me pictures of this building during the final stages of construction, so this would be about 2006. And at that time, everybody in the church was invited to come in before they laid the carpet and write down something for future generations, and many people wrote down a Bible verse or a passage of Scripture. And the Craig family wrote several verses, but Rick told me uh, one verse in particular has been very important to him. Genesis 1, verse 1. And Rick wrote down just the first four words of that verse. In the beginning, God. And he said, uh, you know, everything else we need to know falls in line with this verse. And I'd have to agree with that. I'll share just one more scripture that was written on the floor of this building. Uh, Mike Hall wrote a couple verses from Psalm 95. It says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. And that's uh, really appropriate. Those words are appropriate for a place of worship. And I love that this happened. The members of this church literally covered this building with scripture. And I love the idea that on your way in this morning, you may have stepped on somebody's life verse. We don't know, but you might have. You know, we all have different reasons for choosing a life verse. And some of those reasons are very personal, very meaningful. That's true for Marsha Thompson. 
She chose 1 Corinthians 2.9, and Marcia said, this is my new favorite verse. It has touched me and keeps things in perspective for me. So let's listen to these words, 1 Corinthians 2.9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. It's a powerful verse, and it's very special to Marcia. Some of you know that Marcia's husband, Gary, passed away about a year and a half ago. And Marcia said, this is the passage Gary quoted to me on the day the doctors told him there was nothing more they could do for him. By the way, Gary quoted that verse to me too about the same time. Marcia said, Gary loved the Lord with all his heart. He was so brave and he always hung on to his faith. He knew that better things were in store for him. And now I look forward to the day I also get to witness that wonderful glory with him. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That is the power of a life verse. God communicates his truth through his word. And that truth will fuel your faith. It will fuel your hope. So it's been great to hear some of these life verses over the past few weeks. And as we wrap up this series, I have one more to share with you. It's a recent addition to my list, just in the past couple of weeks. First, I'll start with a little background. Two weeks ago, as I said, I was down in Honduras. I was with a short-term mission team from here at Plum Creek. And I know that many of you prayed for this team, you prayed for this trip, and we really appreciate that. And it was so good to see that God was using this group to help his kingdom grow and advance. But for me, that trip ended early. Just a few days after we arrived, I learned that my dad had some emergency health issues, and he needed me to be there. So I flew from Honduras to Tennessee, and I spent the next few days with him. When I arrived, dad was not doing well. He was more exhausted and depleted than I have ever seen him. I won't go into the details, but long story short, I drove him back to our house, and then in a couple of days, we had to get him to the hospital, and he's still there this morning. He, he's doing a, a lot better, but I want to share something that happened while I was at Dad's. Like I said, he was extremely weak and weary, and in a very different way, I was feeling weary too. I wasn't getting much sleep at all. The whole experience was just tough. But one day, uh, Dad received a card in the mail from a friend from his church. And on the front of this card, there was a picture of an eagle. And next to the eagle was a Bible verse, Isaiah 40, 31. And that verse says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And so I looked at that verse, and I was like, yeah, that, that's something we needed to read right now. I honestly didn't think much about it after that. But then the next morning, I was sitting next to Dad, drinking some coffee, and I looked down, and I saw that I had randomly chosen a mug that had an eagle on it. And next to the eagle was that same verse. And I thought, hmm, well, that's kind of cool. 
And in the next moment, I looked up, and on the wall in Dad's office was a calendar. The calendar was turned to the month of July. And you know what I saw, right? A big old eagle with Isaiah 4031 printed right next to it. And at that point, I'm thinking, God, are you trying to get my attention? Are you telling me something? So, for the past week or so, I've been meditating on this verse. And to be honest, I've been wrestling with this verse. And I'm seeing that God is saying something very important here, not just to me, but to all of us. So I want to spend a little time this morning just looking at Isaiah 40, 31 and listening to the Lord here. Now, you may know this verse is very popular. It is printed on mugs and calendars and blankets and all kinds of things. And there are several reasons why people gravitate to Isaiah 40, 31. And I'll share just two reasons. Number one, when we get weary, we need strength. We're, we're looking for that strength. Sometimes we're desperate for it. And so we cling to the promise of this verse. But I'll give you a second reason why this verse is popular. It's because eagles are cool. <laughs> it's just a great metaphor, isn't it? It wouldn't be the same if it was a crow or a buzzard. No, it's got to be an eagle. Just a few fun facts. Eagles have a grip. Their talons have a grip that's 10 times stronger than a human's. Their vision is four to eight times stronger than a human. Eagles can fly up to 10,000 feet in the air. Now think about this, 10,000 feet, that's almost two miles. And at that altitude, a golden eagle can look down and see a little rabbit munching on grass down in the valley. And if he's hungry, that golden eagle can dive down for his prey at a speed up to 120 miles an hour. Eagles are also experts at soaring and gliding. They can catch these thermal updrafts, which are rising columns of warm air. And that lets them gain altitude without constantly flapping and working hard. And because of that ability, an eagle doesn't have to run from a storm. It can actually use that storm to lift itself higher and higher. And man, we want to be like that eagle, right? I want to go through the storms of life and just fly right over them, soar right above and say, hey, it's no big deal. I see this happening, but it's not phasing me. I'm going to be all right. So it makes sense, doesn't it? We love the image and the promise of Isaiah 40, 31. But as I've wrestled with this verse, I found myself asking, what exactly is God promising here? And whatever that promise is, does it apply to us today? And I have to ask those questions because I know a lot of people who love Jesus. But the truth is, they're getting weaker, not stronger. So what do we do with that? How should we apply this verse in our situation, in our time? Well, one of the first things we need to do is look at the context because whenever you, you read one verse in isolation and you don't look at the bigger picture, you are in danger of misinterpreting what God is saying. So let's zoom out a little bit. Let's think about the entire book of Isaiah. 
Many of you know that Isaiah is a famous prophet from the Old Testament. Isaiah spoke for God during a time when the people of Israel were in this pattern of disobedience and rebellion against God. And in the first 39 chapters of this book, the big theme is judgment and warning. Isaiah says, guys, unless there is a big change destruction is coming for you. And sadly, there was no big change. And many of the things Isaiah warned about became a reality. However, beginning with Isaiah chapter 40, where our verse comes from, the tone really changes. Isaiah speaks to God's people with words of hope and comfort. He says, listen, everybody, one day after God deals with your sin, things will get much better. God will show up in glory and power, and he will take care of you just like a shepherd takes care of his lambs. Now, obviously, this is great news. But some people really doubted this hopeful message that Isaiah was giving. They said, hey, we are going through a really tough time right now. And it it seems like God doesn't even see us. And if he does see us, why is he not doing something to help? And Isaiah responds to those doubts and accusations with these words at the end of chapter 40. Isaiah says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's great stuff. And now we have a better idea of what led up to those eagles. But let's go back and break this down a little. We we just read Isaiah 40, verses 28 to 31. In verse 28, we see who God is. And in verses 29 to 31, we see what God will do. So let's read verse 28 again. That's where Isaiah says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. So according to Isaiah here, We're not going to understand God completely, but through Scripture, we can get a basic idea of who he is. In fact, Isaiah does that in chapter 40, what we're reading here. A few verses earlier, he has this great description. He says, God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and as he looks down, the people below look like grasshoppers to him. Then a few verses later, Isaiah says, Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. And because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. 
Now, that's just a tiny glimpse of who God is. And when we get this glimpse of God, this all-powerful, all-knowing God who is full of love and mercy and holiness and justice, that glimpse reveals to us the great divide between us and Him. So that's a little of who God is. But let's look again at what God will do. Verse 29 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. So we all know a little bit of what it's like to be weary. Some of us know really well. A Bible scholar named Alec Motier said this word weary in this verse It means exhaustion because of the hardness of life. What a definition. Can you relate to that? Exhaustion because of the hardness of life. Some of us know that exhaustion really, really well. And that's why we love verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Again, this is such a great image. We're not just going to walk. We're not just going to run. We're going to soar like an eagle. And when I read this passage, I'm, I'm thinking, that's what I want, God. Can I stop stumbling and fainting and soar like an eagle? The truth is, I can do that, and you can too, because God wants to renew your strength. But how does that happen? Well, again, we need to interpret Scripture with Scripture. And as we look at the Bible as a whole, we see a couple important steps that you need to take when you want God to be your strength. Step one is to just admit your weakness. God's strength is reserved only for those who know that they are weak. And that goes against some of the popular sayings that you might hear. Some of you might have heard the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. Might sound good, but that's not in the Bible. There's another one that I hear more often. It says, God won't give you more than you can handle. You heard that? The implication there is, whatever you're dealing with right now, you can handle it, so you better suck it up, deal with it. That's not in the Bible either. The truth is, God does allow you to experience things that you can't handle on your own. But now, why would he do that? Why would he allow that? Well, it's not that he wants to see you suffer. He allows things like that because... We need to realize how much we need him. He wants us to realize that we are desperate for his power to show up in our lives. Sometimes the best thing that could happen is for you to come to the end of your rope because you will never experience God's peace and joy and strength until you admit your weakness. So that's the first step. And then from there, the second step is what we just read. What did Isaiah just say? Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. It's not everybody. It's those who hope in the Lord. And what does it mean to put your hope in the Lord? 
Well, if, if we fast forward to the New Testament, we get a better understanding of hope in the Lord, what that looks like. And really, it's about faith. And the most important step of faith is to believe in Jesus, to put your life in his hands, to turn away from your sins, turn away from your old life, accept the gift of forgiveness and salvation, to be baptized into Christ and begin a new life. And when you put your hope in the Lord, you're asking him to be strong in all the places where you are weak. And the great thing is, he will do that. There's an amazing gift that God gives every genuine follower of Christ. He gives the gift of his Holy Spirit. He makes his home inside of you, which means God's power and strength fills your soul. So in the end, Isaiah 40, 31, it applies not only to the people of ancient Israel and Judah. This promise applies to everyone who has given their life to Jesus. It's a present-day promise. It applies here and now. Once you've taken this step, God will be your strength. That's the truth that we see in his word. However, what about all those days when this truth doesn't feel true? What about those times when you don't feel that strength at all? When it feels like you're just on your own, like God has left you hanging? Well, we've talked about those two big general steps, but we need to get more specific. When you're having a, a very bad day, I have a few small practical steps that can connect you to God's strength, and I've needed to take these steps over the past couple weeks. First of all, when you're going through something that is more than what you can handle, just stop what you're doing and run to God. And when I say run to God, I, I really mean pray. Tell him what's on your mind. Tell him what's on your heart. And this may seem simple, like something we've heard a lot, but it's so easy for us to skip this step, isn't it? It's so easy for us to slide into worry or stress or trying to deal with our problems by ourselves. But really what we need to do is take these problems and give them to God. And as you do that, as you pray, don't feel the need to censor yourself. Be as honest as possible. That's what we learn from the Psalms. For example, listen to what King David says in Psalm 13. Psalm 13 verse 1. David says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. David didn't hold back, did he? But God wants that kind of honesty. He wants you to reveal your heart, reveal your weakness. And as you do that, there's another step you can take at the same time. You can pray those honest prayers, and at the same time, you can still choose to trust that God is good. We see, God do, we see David do this in Psalm 13. After what I just read, where he's wrestling and doubting and questioning, right after that, 
He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Don't forget who he is. The truth is, trust is a choice. And we can make that choice. Even though we don't see what God is doing or understand what he's doing, we can still choose to trust that he is always good. We can also choose to trust in his promises. And yes, that can be tough. It can be really tough when you see a promise like what we've just read, that God will renew our strength. But then you look at your life, you look at yourself, and you see that you're getting weaker instead of getting stronger. It can be tough to trust in those moments. And in a physical sense, that may be exactly what's happening. You're just getting weaker. It kind of reminds me of uh, the life verse I preached on a few weeks ago from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Toward the end of that chapter, that's where Paul says, outwardly, we are wasting away. And this is part of God's plan. Our physical strength eventually runs out because this world is not our home. But do you remember how Paul finished that verse? He says, yeah, outwardly, we are wasting away. But inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. The Lord is renewing our strength. That's what God promises. He promises to renew your spiritual strength. And that's not always our preference, is it? Our preference is to say, God, I I want to be physically strong. I want to be healthy. But God knows what he's doing. Because our physical bodies are temporary. It's our souls that go on forever. And if you belong to Jesus, you may suffer for a time in this world. But God promises, in the end, it will all be worth it. Because his kingdom is coming in fullness and power. Jesus will return. And everything that is wrong will be made right. Everything that is broken will be restored. And you can see these promises literally all over Scripture. Promises to hold on to. And that goes along with one final step that can help you access God's strength. And it's pretty simple. You just do what we've been doing throughout this series. You find strength through God's Word. And that's why it's so important to spend time consistently in Scripture. And if you want to find your life verse, you've got to crack open your Bible. I want to share one more example of a life verse that someone sent me. And this one comes from Rachel King. And there's a story that goes along with it. So I'm just going to read what she wrote. Rachel said... I recently found a part of Scripture that's become one of my favorites. This is the story. One Sunday morning, about a year ago, my son was sitting with me in the 11 a.m. service. By the way, this son was about eight years old at the time. During the message, I asked him to hold my Bible, which had a highlighter tucked away inside. And he was being so good. But halfway through, he showed me that he wrote his name in pink, bold letters right across a page in my Bible. I wasn't angry. I just let him know that's not how we use it. And I didn't pay too much attention since I was trying to listen to Doug. That was that, and we moved right along. And she says, in the past few years, I went through a season where I was in a constant state of worry about my child. 
Is he safe? What is he seeing? What is he being told? Will he come home and tell me another story where I have to hold back tears? I worried almost constantly. Is my influence enough to show him the love of God and combat what he's taught everywhere else? I spent so many nights where I would fall asleep repeating this prayer to God. Please keep my child safe when I can't. You see some of those steps here? That that step of admitting your weakness, uh, running to God in, in prayer. She goes on. A few months passed, and one particular morning, I was having an awful time. The previous afternoon had been tough, and I had been praying that same prayer all night. I knew God was hearing me, but I was still crying because that's my child. I walked into this Bible study anyway, hoping to hear from God. We were reading the book of John that morning, and halfway through the study, I flipped to the next page, and I saw those bright pink letters. It was the page where my son had written his name, and it fit perfectly in a paragraph that God needed me to see. The title of the paragraph, Jesus Prays for Future Believers. John 17, 20 to 26, and I won't read that whole passage here, but I'll share part of it. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to the Father. Uh, he's, he's praying about his disciples. But he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was praying for those who would uh, believe in him through their message. That's many of us today. Jesus praying for us. I love that. He prayed that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And I'll go down to verse 24. He says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they, his disciples, know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Rachel said, when I read those words, I just sobbed in relief and peace. I felt an immediate weight lifted from my shoulders. How much the Father loves me to give me such a sweet reminder. And how much the Father loves my Son to allow me to share this little miracle and show my Son that God is with him through everything. I can't tell you that I don't still worry sometimes, but ever since I saw those pink letters, I knew God was speaking to me in a specific, special way. His word is living, and it applies to us right now if we're willing to seek it sometimes by pure accident. How amazing it is to know Jesus prays for us. He prays for my child the same as I do. I carry so much peace and joy with me knowing that God loves my child even more than I do and God is always in control. This experience changed how I interact in every situation. God and his word changed my life again. You know, it's interesting. For Rachel... That passage didn't change her situation because this world is not a safe place. 
Not for our kids and not for us either. However, Rachel received spiritual strength from God, and that strength is very, very real. And sometimes that's exactly how it works. God may not intervene and change your situation. He might, but he might not. In the end, God didn't promise us a world without trouble. We know what he did promise, though. We have a promise for those who hope in the Lord. He promises to renew your strength. And in a spiritual sense, there will come a time when you will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. And yes, you will soar on wings like an eagle. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth and, and the fact that you will tell us exactly what we need to hear right when we need to hear it. And Lord, I, I want to lift up those right now who just feel especially weary this morning from the hardness of life. I pray that you will remind them to run to you and that they will and that they will find strength in you. I also pray for those who need to put their hope in you for the first time, that they would listen to your call and respond with faith. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.